Street Photography Magazine, podcast episode number 67, All Street Images Are Important, with Tom Chambers. Hello and welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And before we get into the show, I just wanted to remind you that I will be out of the country for most of the month of March. I'm actually going to be down under in New Zealand and Australia and won't be recording any podcasts during the month. However, I may drop in a couple of special shows if I have some interesting thoughts that I can record while I'm there. Otherwise, we'll see you back in April. Today our guest is Austin-based street photographer Tom Chambers. He's been a very active street photographer since the 1970s when he began photographing around El Paso, Texas. Since then, he's lived all over the world, including places like India and China, as well as all around the U.S. But he began his photographic journey while working for NASA on the Apollo Project. And in this job, he photographed the moon rocks and dust and other materials that were brought back to Earth by the Apollo astronauts. Tom is also a teacher, and he's been putting that experience to work to introduce photographers in and around his area to street photography. Most recently, Tom created an intensive street photography workshop in partnership with the infamous Precision Camera of Austin called Street Photography and Documentary Portraiture. This month-long program runs each weekend during the entire month of June. Tom says that it's vital that street photographers get to know their cameras inside and out so that they can be totally focused on the activity in the street while they're shooting. And he says that when editing your photos, it's critical to evaluate each image in terms of its importance to you, because all photos are important. To learn more, have a listen to my conversation with Tom Chambers. Well, today I'm with Tom Chambers. Tom is uh, located in the great city of Austin, Texas. Tom is, uh, well, he's retired from his full-time career, but he's a photographer, street photographer, and a visual artist doing some pretty interesting work around the Austin area. So, Tom, welcome. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you very much, Bob. I appreciate the uh, invitation very much. Yeah, well, you're welcome. And also, one thing I forgot to mention, Tom used to work for NASA. He worked on the Apollo Project. He did some really cool stuff and uh, something I wouldn't mind learning more about. I don't know about you guys because you all want to, like, talk about photography all the time. But as a child of the 60s, I love space things. All right, so Tom, uh, before we get into things, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into street photography? I will try my best. Uh, a long story, Bob. I'll try to try to keep it as short as I can. But uh, if I may, you had mentioned uh, Apollo, Project Apollo. Uh, that was my first uh, position out of college uh, in the late 60s. And I worked with the uh, lunar soil, uh, we called it lunar finds, that the astronauts brought back from the moon. And I did a great deal of uh, work with the lunar finds, 
biological models and the biological sciences section. But at the same time, I also did a lot of macro and micro photography to document our samples and our results, uh, etc. So having done that for three years during Project Apollo, that moved me towards photography uh, even more. And I happened to meet uh, a friend at the time uh, who was into photography, and that friend placed a camera in my hand, and I began taking snaps with it, and I enjoyed it so much, I became more and more serious as the years went on. So to answer your question, in terms of street photography, not until 1983, for some reason, I decided to move out on the streets with my camera uh, in El Paso, Texas, where I was living at the time, and started documenting a very, at least locally, famous street called Dyer Street, a military street. And it just had a really interesting mix of individuals from the military base and locals, students uh, from the uh, University of Texas at El Paso. Students used to hang out in that area. And I walked up and down that street for several weeks making photographs. Uh, most of the photos, uh, documentary portraiture, which I'll be teaching as well in this upcoming workshop, just not street photography. So that particular project was a series of documentary portraits that I was able to exhibit in the state of Texas. And uh, fortunately, when I moved to the East Coast, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, in the mid-80s, I showed that same series of photos at a local gallery in Providence, an American, used to be American Photographer magazine. It's now American Photo. But that magazine uh, liked my coverage of Dyer Street in El Paso, Texas, and they listed that exhibition in Providence in its notable exhibition section of their magazine. So uh, that even was more of an incentive for me to continue working with the medium. Uh, again, Bob, it was probably 1983 when I started shooting the streets. And I have been doing that off and on next 30, 35 years or so until now. Do you still have a lot of those photos? Uh, the um, Dire Street series, unfortunately, no. And this might be a, a good suggestion for the photographers listening to this. Make sure and take care of your portfolio, your negatives, your original prints. Um, I lost a lot of my original prints and negatives uh, many, many years ago. Uh, I lost a great deal of my portfolio, and I'll never be able to return to that portfolio and access those negatives and prints. Yeah, back up, back up, back up some more. I've talked to just too many people who have lost almost everything. Yeah. Just, you know, just like you, particularly film. Right, right. You know, floods, fires, yeah. just not paying attention to them. I, I've lost things that I really want from the 1970s that I shot, and I don't know where it is. We moved a year and a half ago, cleaned our house out. I found a little bit of it, but most of it's gone. Bob, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say this, but I will. Um 
never entrust your portfolio to someone who says they will take care of it for you. Yes. That's what happened to me. Oh, I see. I entrusted my portfolio, my photo books, almost uh, everything I had at the time. I went to Zimbabwe in Africa and spent three years there as a Peace Corps volunteer and decided to, probably a lot of this is my fault too, but I decided to continue and I went to South Korea and then China, did a great deal of street work actually in in Zimbabwe, China, South Korea, also India, and uh, I lost contact with this person and of course my portfolio and it's been lost forever. So did you ever connect with the person eventually? I, I have not. I can't find the person. <laughs> uh-huh. anyway, that's not funny. But uh, No, it's not funny. But my advice to those photographers listening, never entrust your portfolio to anyone. Good advice. But fortunately, the work that, that I did in Africa, South Korea, China, India, uh, I have those negatives and also some digital work that, that I had done over the last 10 years or so. So I do have somewhat of a portfolio over the last 10 to 15 years, I guess. I'm looking forward to seeing some of it. If, if you were to go to my web, website, you would be able to see my older work because I did make copies of my work, uh, you know, for, you know, like notebooks and that kind of thing. So I do have copies of my original work that can be accessed on my website. Yeah, I see you've got a link uh, to one section, China, 2003 to 2007. Of course, that's fairly recent compared to the other things you lost. Yeah, that's that's pretty recent, yeah. If you were to go back to uh, my first documentary project, uh, the, the Street Work, 1983, that's, uh, that's, that's a long time ago. Yeah, and I was able to... Uh, at that time, 1984, 85, 86, I was able to show that project at uh, three or four different galleries in Texas, in Providence, Rhode Island. So I'm, you know, I'm satisfied with that. Did you actually have large gallery prints that got lost as well? Yeah, I lost everything, Bob. Well, no, I just wanted to know about uh, about shooting in the uh, in the Austin area and what that's like. Yeah, I have just recently, uh, this workshop, uh, Street Photography and Documentary Portraiture Workshop, I'll be conducting here in Austin uh, the month of June. Uh, I've been out on the streets uh, two or three times in the last two or three weeks to uh, kind of get in the mood again, so to speak, and prep myself. There's a great camera company here called Precision Camera and Video. But they, they have a wonderful uh, workshop area, classroom area. They've got a great education director. And they, they bring in photographers from all over the world, actually, to conduct workshops for the locals. And fortunately, they liked my, what they saw on my website. And they asked me to teach a street photography workshop. So uh, Precision Camera and Video here in Austin, Texas, uh, is where the action will be for me in the month of June. Yeah, you know, it's amazing what happens when you put yourself out there and get yourself known and get your work known. You just never know 
who's going to see it and who's going to reach out to you. Right. So right. that's quite an opportunity. It is. And I'm, I'm excited, uh, not necessarily for uh, exposure for me, but I'm excited to, to work with people who would, who would like to learn a little more about uh, just photography per se and, and evaluating the street scene and trying to get some interesting pictures. I'm really excited about that. Um, that's been a part of my process over the last 20 to 25 years is working with other people with photography. I, I taught um, uh, students, actually school leavers, they call them. We would call them school dropouts. But school leavers in Zimbabwe, uh, I set up a photo workshop uh, each year I was there for a three-year period working with school leavers to uh, uh, work with photography. We did a great deal of street shooting in Harare, the capital of Zimbabwe, uh, over that three-year period. And a bit of that process is also on my web website. I taught uh, photography in China, uh, fine arts department at Jiaoqing University. We beat the streets of Jiaoqing China. So uh, I've done a great deal of teaching the medium as well. And that's probably more meaningful for me, particularly as I get older, than just me going out by myself, so to speak, uh, to take pictures for me. So I like what is going to be happening the month of June uh, when I begin working with people again with the medium of photography. Yeah, you know, there's nothing like helping somebody learn something and seeing the light bulb go off where they have that aha moment. Yeah, absolutely. And you were a part of help making that happen. So as a seasoned teacher of street photography, if somebody was new to the field, what are the three most important things that they would need to know or they should do? Yeah, I think uh, initially they should know their equipment, of course. Uh, these days, there's so many point-and-shoot cameras. I guess that's adequate, I guess. A lot of the point-and-shoot cameras are incredibly, uh, deliver an incredible product. Uh, but you should know your equipment. Let me say, number one, know your equipment. Uh, know, your, know your settings, how to work with your equipment. That would be part 1A, 1B, I guess. And I think probably... Uh, the most important aspect of that would be how to go out on the streets and evaluate the streets, how you look at the situations, the activity. I could go on and I could talk a long time about this, Bob, but, but I, I think it's really important, and I'll try to convey this during my workshop. Uh, not only will I be teaching in the classroom, but we also have two days of street shooting together, which will, will be interesting for all of us involved. But the very important aspect for me is evaluating the streets, where you're at on the streets. A 360 observation of what's going on. Be aware of your timing, that decisive moment. Be aware of where people are what people are doing, the activity, lighting, darks and lights, your contrast, be aware of textures, angles, your angle of approach, your camera position. Uh, if anybody has studied the medium of photography in the classroom, they would understand what I'm, 
what I'm talking about. But uh, very, I think key for me is as you're walking, totally observe that street. And what's before you, to your left, to your right, behind you, be able to turn on a dime and capture that, that special image. Third part, being able to take your coverage home with you and edit that coverage and through Photoshop, now, I'm a, I'm a huge Photoshop. Actually, I use GIMP more so than Photoshop. One main reason is free. But to be able to take your coverage, bring it back home or wherever to your studio, and work with that coverage in terms of editing a software program like Photoshop or GIMP, and being able to deliver that product for exhibition. Or let's just say show. To uh, be able to deliver that, that finished piece for show, uh, whatever that would be. So, you know, knowledgeable about your equipment and settings, evaluation of the street environment, and being able to work with your coverage in terms of editing uh, using software to deliver some kind of final product for uh, public consumption, if you will. So when you're teaching the workshop and you're working on the streets, where are you going to be? Downtown Austin? Suburbs? Uh, I'm going to say downtown Austin. Uh, you know, six, if you've ever been to Austin, 6th Street is a bit of a magic spot, uh, particularly in the, the late afternoon, early evenings. Uh, just tons of characters, if you will, walking up and down the street and a lot of activity, a lot of action, a lot of cultural contrast, uh, just a lot of so many interesting things going on on that street. More than likely, we will probably target 6th Street. But uh, a lot of streets in Austin are filled with interesting characters and situations anyway. Yeah, it sure is. I, that's what I was figured. 6th Street or maybe, what do you call it, SoCo, south of Congress? That's, yes, yes. I haven't. I haven't figured out the exact rendezvous point at, at this point in time, but uh, uh, I'm thinking probably 6th Street initially. Yeah, I really like that old hotel there. What's that, the Driscoll? The Driscoll, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a pretty cool place to shoot if they let you in there. Probably, probably taking a large class full of people wouldn't go over well. Well, actually, um, a lot of most of our group work is going to be in the classroom. And then once we're on the streets, I'm not going to dwell on that too much. We're going to spread out and move out and do our own thing. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, it's, you know, street photography doesn't go well in big crowds. It's a very, uh, of course, uh, in individual thing. So I'm hoping to, to make my points and inspire in the classroom with a little bit of that perhaps on the street, but not much. And then they move out, move away, do their thing, and we meet up again in three hours. So we've been talking about this workshop. Why don't you tell us more about it? Where can people find out about it? When you said it's going to be in June. Yeah, give, us, give us the particulars. Well, the workshop begins uh, in June. It's, uh, it's six sessions, which runs throughout the entire month of June. It begins June 5th on a Friday. That first 
a classroom session will be introduction, history of street photography, which I think is very important, uh, working with looking at and talking about master's photographs. Uh, I'll show a little bit of my work. We'll talk about the uh, street environment and documentation concepts, strategies, evaluation. And then that very next day, so everything is fresh in our minds, uh, we're going We're going to hit the streets uh, that Saturday, June 6, uh, from 9 to noon, a three-hour session. So session two is the following Friday, June 12th. That third session in the classroom will include critique and discussion of photographs made on the streets uh, via flash drive projections. I'm going to have them uh, edit their own photographs, what they think are the best photographs for them, and we will critique and talk about everyone's images uh, as a group. Then that very next day, we're out again on the streets, uh, Saturday, June 13th, a little bit later uh, in the day, lighting has changed, lighting is different, and I'm hoping we have sunny days uh, uh, those two Saturdays when we're shooting. And then the next Friday, again, we will critique and discuss those photographs made on the streets. And then the last session, June 26, we will take a look at everyone's photos that have been edited down, so to speak, for exhibition. And I'm excited about this because an, a gallery here in Austin has already approved uh, an exhibition for us uh, after the workshop finishes. Uh, just the fact that we will be showing our work for public consumption should be an incentive for the students to do their best. Do you agree with that, Bob? Oh, yeah, I sure do. That's, uh, that's quite an incentive and something you don't often get to do. So uh, I'm very excited about this. In fact, the uh, the gallery is called Artworks. They have some very nice gallery space. Uh, I have already talked to the curators there, and they're excited about this workshop process, working with locals, and then taking them through this process for, for a final product. I think they have agreed to two images per student, and uh, they'll be nicely printed, uh, matted, framed, so uh, this is just going to be a, a very nice ending to the workshop. Hey, speaking of um, showing your work in a gallery, you've done that quite a bit. Quite a bit, yeah. yeah. And I get a lot of people asking me, where can I get my work shown? And I tell you what, I'm just not an expert in the areas of area of galleries. And how would somebody go about having their work shown? How do you approach it? Bob, that question is a double-edged sword. <laughs> it's very, very difficult. I mean, I have pounded over the years, and when I say years, over a very long period of time, 30 to 40 years, I have pounded doors, I have written letters, I have sent email, I have solicited directly to galleries through email, with a great deal of solicitation. Uh, it's very difficult, Bob. I, there's, there's not anything I can say that would be a magic answer. 
to get someone's work shown. What I can say, and this is going to sound a bit pretentious, but I think the photographers listening to me, your work has to be good, whatever that means. Yep. It has to have an appeal. And what is that appeal? I think it has to be technically strong. It has to be a, a well-printed photograph. Even if within the image it's out of focus, I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Technically, it has to be a well-printed photograph. It has to have interesting content, of course. Photography, art, is, it's a very subjective world. And depending on who's looking at your image, that person may either pass it by or fall in love with it. So it's hard to answer that question, Bob. But technical skill and interesting content. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I spoke with uh, Meryl Meisler last year. Well, I saw her speak at the Miami Fest, the Miami Street Photography Festival, and, and one of her slides on her PowerPoint was, uh, nobody's going to show your work except for you. Something like that. I, sh I should find the quote. And she's so right. I mean, it's up to you. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Just like your friend who said he was going to watch your stuff and disappeared. Nobody's going to take care of it like you. Right. When I when I started my first business over 20 years ago, as I was walking out my attorney's door, he goes, one piece of advice. Don't wait for the phone to ring. Right. You got to make it happen. You know, I, I, as I'm listening to you, I'm still thinking about uh, a better answer. But uh, uh, you're... You're very correct. It's going to be up to you, but your work is going to have to speak for you. That's, yes, absolutely. And if your work is strong, again, whatever that means, your work should carry you through and should interest people. And hopefully some of those people will be interested enough to show your work for public consumption. You know, you might be able to answer something for us. I run into two things when I look at my own work. We're all the worst editors of our own work, right? Yeah. I either fall in love with it, or in most cases, I hate it. And there's not much in between. Right. How do you get out of that trap? How can we be more objective about our own work? I think if, if you're in the doldrums, so to speak, with that, I... I don't think I've ever found myself that way. I'm trying to think. I, I think one one remedy, and this is going to sound a bit on the corny side maybe, but one remedy is to continue shooting. Don't let the doldrums get you down to where you think almost everything that, almost all the images you make have no importance. Yeah, I, I disagree with that. I think almost every image that's been made by anybody has importance. Uh, even the the uh, I, uh, iPhone shooters today, I mean, we're just inundated with images from everybody, from everywhere, from every point of angle. And even those photographs are important. So if I can answer this at all, I would think, look, look at your images in terms of importance. There's no image that exists out there that doesn't have some kind of important 
piece of infra visual information. And if you begin to evaluate your photographs that way, they may begin to speak to you a little more. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does make sense. I was, uh, forgive me if I've, re if I've said this one before, but I was on a uh, video call with another photographer, Craig Litton, who we had featured here a couple years ago, and very good, very talented photojournalist. He, his work's been evaluated all the time by editors and things, so he, he's got a really good eye. And uh, he said, you know, we were on this video call, and I said, put up some of your photos. So I'm flashing through some photos that I took in Cuba. And I'm just going through things I never edited or anything. And he stopped me. He goes, stop. Tell me about that picture. And and it's one I just completely passed by. I never, right. never showed it, never did anything with it. He goes, why aren't you showing this one? And he goes, here's why. He starts to tell me what he liked about it. I understand. Yep. Maybe maybe that confirms what I just said. I, I don't know. But, you know, rather than when you go through your portfolio or anybody's portfolio, I guess, rather than the, the it's good or bad, I think it's it's what makes that image important. Mm -hmm. I like that. And, and again, I'll say this again to, to make my point twice. There's not an image that out there that's not important. There's something in every image that that has existed since the beginning, since 1839. <laughs> there's there's something important about every image that's ever been made. And you mentioned that, yes, you might have walked by it, but somebody else might stop and look at it a little more. So I don't think it's I don't think it's a matter of good and bad or technically, maybe I might say that. If a print has not been printed very well, or technically it's in terms of uh, its rendering, I might say, well, that's a poor print. But even if I said that, I would still look at the content of the image, and it would probably have some kind of importance for me. Appreciate the advice. You know, when I do these things, I always want to take away one thing that somebody can learn about. That's that's how I feel about almost any image that I take a look at. I I try to determine uh, if if this if there's something important I can take away from this image, and and usually I do, you know, because I I'm sure you do too, Bob. When I when I look at any image from anybody anywhere, I I begin to analyze that image visually and look at what's going on, I look at the content, the situation, uh, everything about that image that that says photograph to me, I try to take it in and look for that importance that, that again, provides meaning for me for that particular image. So, Tom, I mean, other than your workshop that's coming up soon, what, what else are you working on? I'm retired from... Uh, teaching technology applications at a charter school in Houston for about six years. I taught photography, uh, video editing, audio editing production. So I did that for about six years, and I retired in 2013 uh, just to begin to make more photographs, work with computer art. I'm doing a lot of digital art these days that 
combined with a lot of my uh, images that I had produced uh, uh, earlier. So I sit in front of my computer and I work with uh, digital art. That's a whole other world, isn't it? A whole, yeah, particularly for someone my age. Uh, I'm 72 and old school, as they say, but I, I literally spent thousands of hours in the darkroom. And mainly that was because of my personal work in the past, long time ago. I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but I was a working photographer, all film-based. Uh, I was a working photographer for Texas Tech University, uh, managed their photo department, part of the Health Sciences Center, that the actually scientific and medical photography, based on my experience, uh, my degree in working at NASA, I also managed a regular photo department for University of Rhode Island, shot from the university newspaper and did all of the, all of the other things that, that go on with the uh, university photo department. But I also did a great deal of freelancing, too, to help pay the bills. And I was uh, asked by the mayor's office in Providence because they liked some of my coverage at a particular event that I freelanced for. And they hired me as full-time city photographer and personal photographer to the mayor. Oh, wow. For six years. So my point in all of that is I have been a working photographer and have spent literally thousands of hours in the darkroom processing negatives, making prints, a wet process. So I have a great deal of experience that has gone out the door, so to speak. <laughs> nah. Not much of that going on anymore. Hey, it's just like the photographs. There's always something important in what you do and what you did. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If I hadn't have done all of that, I wouldn't be who I am today. That's so, right. That's right. And that's important. And uh, the last 20 years or so, I've begun to do uh, computer art and actually conceptual installation art, uh, putting the, the computer aside, uh, just visual artist. I have done uh, quite a bit of that over the last 20, 25 years. So a combination of the two, photography and the visual arts. Mm. So what are you shooting with nowadays? Oh, just a, just a Canon. Canon EOS, uh, what is it, nine, 9D? I don't even know. <laughs> even better, as long as it works, right? They're all good now. Yeah, they're all good. I think this camera I'm... I haven't had it too long, but uh, I think the the megapixels, the pixel, I'm trying to think, maybe 30, uh, 31 or 32. Probably, if it's newer, yeah. I still have, which I have on, a, on one of my shelves in the living room, I have my old Nikon FE2 mm. film cameras that I used to make a living over all those years. Uh, still functional, of course, but uh, uh, borderline antiques, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully a collector's item. Well, yeah, hopefully, yeah. So yeah. I'll give them, I have a son, so I'll, I'll pass that stuff along. So, Tom, why don't you tell us where people can find you online? Well, if anyone's interested in what I've been up to the last... 40 years <laughs> as a photographer and visual artist, please go to tomrchambers.com. My, my entire visual history is there. 